greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Just about out of time as we count down to WrestleMania 6, running out of time, in fact, as it's only a week away. And if you don't have tickets for Sky Dome, there's only several other ways that you can partake of WrestleMania 6. Pay-per-view, of course, sit in the comfort of your own living room and watch WrestleMania 6. The way to do that, pick up that telephone, call the cable system you're watching right now and order. Also, Brain, it'll be giant closed-circuit screens all over the world, Brain. That's right. But, you know, coming up in this next segment here is the contract signing between Hogan Wait and Ward. Wait a minute. I didn't tell our friends out there, our dish owners, about what they can do. Tell the we haven't forgot about you guys, folks, all you dish and descrambler owners out there. Pick up that phone and call Primetime 24 at 1-212-599-4445. That way you, too, can be a part of WrestleMania 6. Now, what do you want to say? Now, I want you to notice the intensity in the face in the eyes of Hogan and Warrior here. Why wouldn't there be intensity? You know what's at stake. Oh, I know. Title I mean, for title? I've never championship seen. for championship? Roll Let, let's go to the signing. Gentlemen, we're here tonight to uh, witness the official signing of the main event for WrestleMania 6 to be held at Sky Dome in Toronto, Canada next Sunday. This is the first in the history of the World Wrestling Federation. It will be title for title. However, you gentlemen and your attorneys have both gone over the contracts extensively. And, uh, Mr. Hogan, you prepared to sign at this time? Yeah, I'll sign, Mr. President. You know, Ultimate Warrior, you don't realize what this means to me and all my Hulkamaniacs. That dark cloud, the darkness that you live in, once you sign this is where you're going to remain. Because the positive light of the training, the prayers, and the vitamins will prove at WrestleMania 6 that Hulkamania is still the strongest force in the universe. Step into the darkness once again. Hulk Hogan. What lies before us in the heavyweight championship of the world? and the Intercontinental Championship of the world are nothing but normal representations of why there are followers and why there are leaders such as us. But you, Hulk Hogan, know as well as I do that they are only receptors for the powers that we have. Look into my eyes, Hulk Hogan! You see nothingness. You see no reasons for questions. You see no answers. For there is no reasoning in the thinking of the ultimate warrior. At WrestleMania 6, Hulk Hogan, I will take the powers of those that question. And I will take the powers of those that have no fear as I take two and become one. Sorry. 
Thank you. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Hello and welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I am your host, JP John Paz, and this is the Hogan Era Podcast. This is episode number seven, and we're kicking it off in a big, big way with a brand new topic here, and that is the ultimate warrior. The Hogan Era was almost briefly stopped for a period of time by the ultimate warrior. You almost thought that the Hogan Era almost became the warrior era. But it did not. Maybe those plans were to be or thought to be by Vince McMahon, but they never came to fruition. And I feel like there's many different reasons as to why. And then we'll go into that as this episode goes on. But this is a very, very hot button topic with a lot of fans for a lot of years. And that is the impact and the drawing power and the money making ability of the Ultimate Warrior versus that of Hulk Hogan felt like at this point in time in about basically 88 89 90 you thought there might be a little bit of a swing you thought there might be a changing of the guard and looked like there was supposed to be as we all know hogan does the clean job for warrior wrestlemania 6 and obviously we'll get into that in a little bit but it just seems like one of those things where I don't know if at this point Hogan was ready to give up the mantle yet. I don't know if he was not the man, if you will. I don't know if he was still, you know, lacking in drawing power or anything like that by 1990. I mean, he was still as strong as ever, but we will definitely, definitely get into all of that and all the particulars. But of course, the Hogan era, as we all know and love, started in 1984, January 23rd to be exact, when Hulkamania was really born. And really, as we, it kind of changed a little bit, I guess we could say it ended in 93 when he exits the WWF, although he didn't really have much of a run in 93 out of really WrestleMania 9 and that European tour and King of the Ring. It, that's pretty much it for 93, but I'll, I'll count it just for the purposes of the show, because I think it makes a little bit more sense just to have a clear view of when he came in and when he left rather than when he kind of dwindled a little bit in star power, because really in 93, they tried to make it the Brett era, but they didn't run with him all the way. You know what I mean? They, it almost seemed like they were. So that's why I will not call it the Bret Hart era because it just, they gave Yoko the title way, way too soon. Then Yoko was the one that ended Hulkamania. And then we never got the SummerSlam 93 match with Brett and Hogan that was rumored and that they supposedly took pictures of and that, that one was holding a rope on one end and one was holding a rope on the other. And Brett was supposed to go over Hulk there. So obviously there's many, many different stories and there's a lot of meaning behind that. And we'll get into that topic in another time, in another day. But as for today, let's focus back on the ultimate warrior and his feud with the immortal Hulk Hogan. As we all know, April 1st, 1990, the WWE held WrestleMania six. This was the first WrestleMania held outside of the United States, hailing from the Sky Dome in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I feel like the rest of the card really, I mean, you got Colossal Connection, Demolition, Macho Man, and Cherry against Dustin Sapphire. Piper against Bad News Brown. I mean, there's some other matches on the card, but to me, really, it was a one-match card. I mean, that was really a one-match show, and it is a great match, but it feels like the early WrestleManias, they definitely wanted to have that one match and everything else is, I wouldn't say filler or anything like that, but it's just of less importance. Like, the one match is used to build the whole show. That's the drawing card. Not, there's no few matches. It's usually the one main event. It's usually predicated around whoever Hulk Hogan is wrestling, obviously. And, and I feel like he is the drawing power. But let's see if maybe the Warrior, who would be the reigning Intercontinental Champion to Hogan's World Wrestling Federation World Heavyweight Championship, let's see if Warrior maybe is the drawing card that they were hoping he would be, but we will find out as we'll get into more detail behind the ultimate challenge. So this storyline would kind of be one of those things for for fans that was divisive, and it would definitely divide them because if you think about Hogan, he's got his fans, which is the most. Then you got Warrior, which is creeping up on him. It's not as many fans as Hogan, but it's definitely creeping in. It's definitely kind of dividing it. They were the two top baby faces at the time by far. One is more light, one is more dark, meaning that Hogan is more like the the typical uh, white meat baby face. He's going to be, you know, all true blue Americana, 
take your prayers, say your vitamins, all that good stuff that comes with the Hulkster. Warrior was much darker, much deeper, would kind of have some vivid imagery of just, um, I don't know, like death and destruction, things like that. Hulkster wouldn't really talk about that stuff too much. I feel like Warrior really kind of was dark and disturbed and really one of those guys that you're like, he's so fascinating, but what is he talking about? What does he really mean? If you really listen, some of the stuff may not make sense. Some of the stuff obviously does make sense and it's just dreary really. But if you think about it, it is light versus dark. I mean, Hogan is, is the typical baby face and warrior is the face paint, the different colors, the devious kind of dark minded promos, much more energy, much more energy, uh, not energetic. I mean, obviously energy, energetic, but much more frenetic. I mean, he just was one of those guys that had a frantic pace about him. He was just all over the place at times. Hogan just seemed much more docile and calm until he was going to Hulk up and take over the match and then head towards the finish. But with the warrior, you were going to get a lot of just pure bona fide electricity. I feel like with warrior, he was just a different type of baby face than Hogan completely. And you could be a baby face and both be the same, same things, but also be completely different. And that's what I think that they were. So coming out of WrestleMania five, which obviously was Atlantic city, New Jersey, you had Hogan versus Macho Man, Randy Savage, the mega powers explode. Hogan ends up winning back the WWF championship. Savage ended up holding it for a year. So he held it from WrestleMania four to WrestleMania five. Hogan takes over. Savage becomes huge heel leading into WrestleMania five, but obviously leaving it, he still would be a very, very top, top level heel within the company. So you had, you think about it before that. So Hogan and Savage before WrestleMania five, definitely two big baby faces and warrior is still coming up. I mean, he's still going to be on the rise. Then as you head into 89, you got really Hogan, and Warrior becoming the two top guys as Savage is clearly a big-time heel and would eventually become the Macho King. So Hogan and Warrior, the two top babyface, like we said, it's almost like one generation versus another. Who's going to be more dominant heading into the 90s? Obviously, Hulk, A4 to 90 is true blue six years in a row. The top guy in WWF, just the most dominant guy. You want to say he's the alpha male for almost those seven years. You could say that, but he's really going to be the man from when he beats Iron Sheik in 1984, January 23rd, wins the world title, holds it for 1,474 days. Obviously, he had the shenanigans with Andre the Giant, which we talked about in an earlier episode, and the Hebner brothers. And all that good stuff. So technically speaking, he doesn't really, I'd say fair and square, lose that title. But it gets put up in a tournament at WrestleMania 4. Savage ends up winning that tournament. Like I just mentioned, Hogan wins it back at WrestleMania 5. And we're off to the races. So Hogan, technically speaking, is basically champ. So 1,474 days for the first run. Then he beats Savage and he holds the title for another 364 days. So, I mean, Hogan is champ here for 1,800 days, a little bit over that. And it's just insane to think about that today. Because if a guy holds the belt for a year today, you're just like flabbergasted. It's amazing. Like Roman Reigns. Wow, he's champ for 380 days. I can't believe that. Just shocking. They don't do that too much anymore. But back then, it was very commonplace, especially when that was the business model of a Bruno, of a Pedro Morales, of a Bob Backlund, of a Hulk Hogan to hold that title for thousands upon thousands of days, which is a couple of years at least. And you're going to make that run. And you're going to be the top babyface. That's just the way the McMahons did business. They didn't like really the face chasing. They wanted the face as the champion and the face of the company, literally. So you got the superhero, real American Hulk Hogan, and possibly this dark, still superhero-like, but in a different manner, Ultimate Warrior, kind of the new generation superhero. So it's the 1990s. We're starting off, right? So you think, okay, does that mean there's a new baby face in town? You got Sting on the other side of the spectrum. He beats Flair, and it's kind of this new world that we're living in wrestling these guys that are much more energetic have a de definitely different style against these old school guys like hogan and flair but hey look those guys are still over and they're still the man so can you really supersede those guys can you really jump those guys and we're going to kind of find out it's not so easy to do that so the alternate baby face the alternate hero 
comes into the WWF, and of course, that is the Ultimate Warrior in 1987. He's got the long hair. He's got the painted face. He is, no doubt about it, a warrior. Looks like a comic book character. Just looks like a shredded version or even more shredded version of the Incredible Hulk. Just unbelievable body. Arguably the greatest body in wrestling history. Maybe Luger, maybe Kerry Von Erich. I mean, those have got to be the guys up there talking about just having an unbelievable body and the frame and just if you look at them you're like man who is that guy the charisma shines through the look is insane warrior just was awesome and if you remember who he defeated in his debut basically a two-minute squash match the brooklyn brawler steve lombardi who uh, was an old interview in the two-man power trip check that back out on the two-man power trip of wrestling feed if you want to listen to that because that is some cool stuff because he goes into some positive stuff about the warrior i know a lot of guys have some negative stuff but he's very very positive stuff from the brooklyn brawler if you want to head back into the archives and listen to that one so basically a new electricity was injected into the wwf and over the next few years the warrior would be on a rise to the top he at SummerSlam 1988 would squash the honky tonk man and win the WWF intercontinental title. Pretty damn amazing that it's a hundred, uh, five, excuse me, 454 day title run as the IC champ for honky tonk man, who is the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. You figure, wow, that is unbelievable. Whoever beats this guy, cause he was absolutely hated. One of the top heels in the company. He did such a good job with that title, with his character, with the gimmick, everything. Whoever is going to beat him is going to be automatically over. And to do so in only 30 seconds, was just amazing so warrior goes out gets an absolutely huge pop at SummerSlam 88 defeats the honky tug man 30 seconds new ic champ cements himself as the second baby face in the company cements himself as one of the most over guys in a wrestling period so then warrior would really go on to feud with ravishing rick rude over that intercontinental title he loses to Rick Rude at WrestleMania 5, only to win it back from Rick Rude at SummerSlam 1989. It was just a few months later. And, of course, he would go on to hold the title for a combined, both runs, 432 days. That's the second reign went to WrestleMania 6. So you think about that long run with the title, almost if you combine all the days, almost uh, as as long as the Honky Tonk Man, really. Uh, Only about 22 days short there, but... He doesn't really lose the title either, obviously. He's going to end up title for title, Hogan versus Warrior at WrestleMania Six at the Ultimate Challenge. So he, I love that. Like he, he goes over strong. He's both champs. He just has to give up the title and goes into a tournament. But if you look at it, he never lost the title. So he's immediately thought of as just super strong. He doesn't have to put anybody over, really. I mean, rude, obviously, Heenan cheats. and But he beats rude and gets his win back there. And we're rocking and rolling. He's still a top dog here. So you got to love the booking back then and how they really wanted to keep both guys very strong. But they wanted to keep Warrior strong. They saw him as, in essence, the guy who's going to replace Hulk Hogan. You always hear, and you saw it in the Warrior documentary, and you, you always read it and see it online. And I think Paul Heyman was the one that kind of said in the documentary, like, of course, there was some professional jealousy and a professional rivalry between these two. Hogan's the man. Warrior wants that spot. Hogan doesn't want to give up that spot. Warrior wants to make all the money. Warrior wants to be the top dog. But Hogan is still over like Rover. So, you know, that's what happens in the wrestling business. Look at Rock and Austin. I mean, it, it happens over and over and over. And that's just the way the business is. You can't really have two top dogs. You can kind of say it, but you really can't. Austin was always number one, and, and Rocky was always like that 1B. And it's obviously the same thing with Hogan and Warrior. But Vince had thought that, okay, this guy Warrior is over like crazy. His merch is selling well, maybe not as good as the Hulk, but almost as well. If we make him world champ, if he goes over on Hulk, maybe he'll surpass him. Maybe he'll become that number one guy, You know, no doubt about it. But to me, Hogan is clearly still the number one star of the company as we roll into 1990. And he's had a huge amount of just public appeal. Uh, I feel like they absolutely love the Hulkster still. So, it's like, oh, wow, can we make Warrior the next guy? Should we make Warrior the next guy? Hulkamania is still dominant. Man, I don't know about that. I don't know if uh, if that's kind of the, the right thing to do or not, but we're going to find out for sure as we go through. So 
1990 Hulk Hogan and the Warrior defeat the a Genius and Mr. Perfect from Chattanooga, Tennessee in WWF Saturday Night's main event number 25. And I feel like there's a lot of stuff going on with Hogan in 90 that involves Mr. Perfect. You almost thought because of the way the uh, Royal Rumble ends that year with Hogan and Perfect kind of like the last two with this Saturday Night's main event stuff with Perfect wrecking the, the and breaking the world title and smashing with a hammer. You almost thought it could be Perfect Hogan WrestleMania 6. Is that a WrestleMania level match? Perhaps yes, because Perfect was undefeated for a very long amount of time, and he was doing great. Obviously, we know that for some godforsaken reason, Beefcake ends up ending the undefeated streak of Mr. Perfect. But, man, that's a different story for a different day. That's just terrible. But, anyway, I almost thought they were leading in that direction. Would it be that huge WrestleMania main event? Maybe not. Maybe. I mean, I would have loved to have seen it, but is it that Hogan Warrior level of importance? Is it really kind of... I don't know, like that huge of a match. Maybe, maybe not. I still think it's definitely plausible for a big time Hogan feud in the main event, but not where they want it to be with WrestleMania six. I mean, Hogan warrior is just huge. I just feel like with WrestleMania six also, it's like you're in Toronto, you're in Skydome. This is the first time you're really going to have the WrestleMania outside of the United States. You want the biggest main event you can make possible. And that is Hogan warrior, not Hogan. Perfect. So, I mean, it, it, in a way, I, I, I understand it, but it, in another way, it's like, man, that would have kind of been cool. But Hogan apparently thought Perfect was a little smaller, which he was compared to Hogan. Not small at all, but compared to Hogan, sure. But I feel like there is definitely a case to be made uh, to have that match and to do that match. But there's obviously uh, definitely a reason why Hogan didn't want to do it either. So not have perfect be in that main event. So as we move along here, WrestleMania is on the horizon. Before you get to WrestleMania, you have the Royal Rumble. Michaels makes it five in the ring. And Hockey Top, Hogan eliminating the Hockey Top Man. Shawn Michaels eliminated by the Warrior. And Rick Martel eliminated by the Warrior. And look at this. My, look at this. My God. Hulk Hogan and the Warrior. There is not a person sitting down. Everyone on his feet. Look at the eyes of the Hulkster. The eyes of the Warrior. Whoa. What a matchup this is going to be. The Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan, one-on-one. On one. Hold on to your seats. This place is going to explode. Whoa. Nobody moves. Again. Oh, my God. Nobody moves. Look at this. Crisscross. The Hulkster's down. He missed a clothesline. Oh, and they clotheslined each other. They're both down. Unbelievable. Absolutely incredible. These two athletes, the Hulkster, the Warrior, every man for himself going at it. And they both are down. And really, that is the first time that these two will meet at the Royal Rumble, the first time that they touch. And wow, I mean, you just feel the tension as the other guys get eliminated. Hogan and Warrior have the square off. They're facing each other one-on-one here, alone in the ring. And it's just funny when you think about it. It's like, okay, um, maybe we're going to have a little bit of a showdown here. Maybe they just stare off, but no. We're going to have a push and a shove, and we're going to have a crisscross, and we're going to have a missed clothesline, and we're going to have a double clothesline. But you can really feel the tension. I mean, Shivani and Jesse are on the call. They're doing an awesome job. They pump it up. They're going nuts. The crowd is going crazy, and that's the first meeting. I think that was the, the test right there. The Vince wanted to see, like, these two touch. Is there magic? What is the crowd going to think? What is the crowd going to react? How are they going to think? How are they going to react? And they went nuts, and they were loving it. So it was a great kind of first, basically, 
touch uh, of the guys or, or first way out there. It was just a great way to kind of get them together and see if the magic was there. And believe me, I believe that the magic was definitely there. So after that, we get a week later, perfect ingenious attack. Hogan warrior makes the save, but then warrior by accident, close lines, Hulk Hogan. There is some tension there. There's even bigger rift. Yes, Royal Rumble is every man for himself, and they hate each other. But look at that. Big-time tension there when Hogan accidentally gets clotheslined by the Warrior. So then we get basically a few weeks later, Saturday night's main event, February 23rd, 1990. The earthquake attacks Warrior. And, oh, boy, what do we get? The Hulkster makes the save. He's the big hero. He knocks Earthquake from the second rope to the floor. And we get a big arguing match. And we get a big square off with Hogan and Warrior again. So it's like, wow, what the heck is going on here? So two weeks later at Superstars, Earthquake ends up attacking Hogan, beating him up. And Warrior now is making the save. So turnabout is fair play here. As Warrior then ends up making the save. And Hogan is very perturbed and kind of questioning it and wondering what's going on as he turns around and warrior almost clotheslined him and then runs away in kind of a, his own weird, weird warrior mysterious way. So it's one of those things where like, wow, that was, uh, that was intense. Like that was interesting. And me as a young fan, total, total Hogan fan. It's kind of split me as a fan too. Cause I did like the warrior a lot, but, I don't know if anybody faced Hogan. It was one of those things where it's like, man, you you can't like him. It's like, uh, you know, if you're a sports fan and, and you like the Yankees and the Mets for God knows what reason why, just to give an example here. And the Yankees are playing like you got to be a fan of one. You can't be a fan of both. So then you obviously got to root for the Yankees. You got to root, root against the Mets and they become the enemy for the day. And it doesn't have to be always that way, but for that day they become the enemy. So with Hogan and warrior, to me, you got to go Hogan 100%. He's still the number one guy, still the number one draw. To me, I was originally a Hulkamaniac. Loved the guy ever since I was three years old. Fell in love with the Hulkster. He is the god of wrestling. And Warrior became the enemy, basically, during this feud. I just was not a big fan of Warrior at this point. And I was really, really into Hulk Hogan. Obviously, we have the Ultimate Challenge contract signing between Hulkster and the Ultimate Warrior. Obviously, that no good Jack Tunney is there as well. I feel like with the Hulkster, he cuts a pretty damn good normal Hulkster promo, and the Warrior cuts a pretty <laughs> insane, uh, just diabolical, uh, devilish, evil promo that we come to know and love from the Warrior. Just good stuff there. So in the week's Leading up to that, we see a barrage of vignettes and promos from both guys as we head into WrestleMania 6. Obviously, just mentioned the contract signing and Jack Tunney always, you know, always being involved. And when he was involved, it always seemed like it was something important and something very, very big time was going down. So in the weeks to lead up, we also get some crazy Warrior promos, get some crazy Hogan promos, followed up by Warrior basically saying that he wanted to murder Hogan and kill him and put him in a plane and crash the plane. I just thought, okay, as a kid, didn't even pick up on that as an adult. I'm like, wow, that's pretty heavy and, and pretty nuts. And he's talking about his dreams being shattered and all this other stuff. I mean, really kind of dark stuff there uh, from the Warrior, but... um Kind of par for the course, even though uh, it is kind of interesting to look back at it. It's just one of those things, really, you're like, wow, that was kind of nutty. Uh, kind of a crazy uh, promo there. So let's head in to WrestleMania 6, the ultimate challenge, April 1st, 1990, Toronto Sky Dome, pay per view, 560,000 buys, down big time from last year when it was. Basically, we talked about this with the Macho Man episode, 767,000 buys. So it is down a bit. And I feel like Hogan Savage is probably the best storyline ever. And the culmination of that led to that huge buy rate. But it's still a pretty damn good number, 560 and and, and forward. It, it would be going down even further, like SummerSlam 1990 with Hogan's return against Earthquake. That's 507. And obviously the main event is Warrior and Rick Rude in the cage. So 
it is up in, in essence. Obviously, SummerSlam no, normally is down from WrestleMania, but 560 is still pretty good, and it's, it's still a very, very popular show. And we go to the main event, and we see the Hulkster and the Warrior both get very good pops. To me, it's funny. I was talking to a friend of mine. He was saying Warrior got the bigger pop. I just rewatched it just to re-listen to it, and I feel like Hogan is more popular. I feel like Hogan definitely gets the bigger pop. I feel like he is still the man at this point. They're trying to anoint Warrior. He's trying to become the man, but I don't know if he's quite there yet. He's almost at that level, but he's not quite there yet. This is a true heavyweight main event title fight here. This is billed as the two most powerful entities in all of wrestling clashing on the biggest stage of all time. And I think they really delivered in this match. Great story, great buildup, great work rate by both guys. Everyone always says that warrior can't work or he's not that good of a worker or he can't wrestle every big match that he's in. He comes up big, whether it be, against Rick Rude, whether it be here against Hogan, whether it be against Savage at WrestleMania 7 or Savage at SummerSlam 92. I feel like any big match that he's in, he always does really well. And I just, I don't know, I kind of just resent people saying that. I feel like it's just like a generic thing that they say, and it doesn't really have any bearing or make any sense because he always showed up big. The fans were always into him. He always brought his A game. And Hogan knew he had to put his working boots on here. You know, it's not like to say Warrior's the greatest worker in the world or anything. Yeah, he's going to put his working boots on. And yeah, he's going to have a big match. And yeah, he's going to show up. But Hogan is going to have to lead the match. Hogan's going to have to carry the match. Hogan is the man still. And he wants to prove to everybody what it's like. And 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 that he's still got it. And that he's still the number one guy. And he's not going anywhere. So as lore goes and history goes, and Hogan has mentioned this, Pat Patterson helps put together the match with Hogan Warrior, and Pat Patterson helps put together for years many main events and many matches. Bret Hart can attest to that as well, and him and Hogan kind of put together a masterpiece here because this is an excellent, excellent match. I think Meltzer gave it three and three-fourth stars or something along that lines, which is shocking for him because he always puts down Hogan matches. If you remember, Hogan and Savage only gets two and three-quarters or something when that match should easily be a four-star match. So he's a very hard grader on Hogan for whatever reason, even though the crowds are insane for his match. And that is one of the bearings for the having a good match. You have to have great crowd response, great crowd reaction. Hogan always got that. So he gets screwed a bit by, by Dave, which is fine. That's his opinion. And it's all subjective, but he actually gave a very good rating to this match as he should, because it was great, great match. I feel like you have the sense of, of that this is just epic. You know what I mean? As especially as watching a young fan, I was watching with my brother, my really good friend for at that point, only a few years, but uh, I guess about uh, four or five years at that point, but now still friends with him. And it's funny. I was just at a wedding with him for his little brother last week. And we were talking about that match because we were watching with his grandfather at his grandfather's house. And he was mentioning to me like, man, you remember that? How upset we got when Hogan lost and we were all crying. We we're all upset. And we laughed because his grandfather never told us because at this point we're God, how old are we? We 1990. We're seven. So we're only seven years old at this point, watching this at 1990 at his grandfather's house. And we still think it's real. And the grand and his grandfather would not break kayfabe. He would not tell us that it was a work. He let us, which I to testament to him when I mentioned this to him at the wedding, the testament to you. I'm glad you didn't break kayfabe and didn't tell us it was fake because that would have been even more of a heartbreaker for us. But uh, it was funny as all three of us in there crying couldn't believe Hogan loses because it's just insane. We see the finish. Hogan comes close. He hulks up. He hits the big boot. He goes for the leg drop. That's usually the sign. Usually it's going to be one, two, three, and it's over. And no, he misses it. He misses the leg drop. What the hell? Warrior nails the splash. One, two, three, 22 minutes, 47 seconds. It is over. We have a new world champion. He is a, a double champion. He's also intercontinental champion, the world champion. And it was epic. And the you know, the tide has shifted everything. The momentum has changed to Warrior. He is now the top guy in the WWF. And if you think about it, he's the man in all of wrestling. You're on top of the hill, WWF. You're the top of the hill in wrestling in general. And really the first guy to beat Hogan clean in the WWF. Andre beat him, but it wasn't clean. He's had some other losses. None of them are clean. This is a full anointing. This is a full replacement. This is a full... Here's the ball. I'm going to give it to you to run with. It was just 
amazing to think of it like, oh my God, Warrior is the man. Now he's going to be main eventing SummerSlam, 507,000 buys with Rick Rude. But is he really the man? Because they had to bring back Hogan to feud with Earthquake and get some interest back going. Because he found out something that Vince McMahon found out about the same time. Those shoes you're about to fill, the Hulkster, they're pretty big shoes to fill. And they're not so easy to be able to do that. It's going to be very hard to fill those shoes. And Hogan is a god of wrestling. And Hogan basically made Vince so much money that he is where he is today. It was on his back. He's the guy that did it all. And he was you know, a huge part of it and a large part of the reason why the WWF was so successful. So to just think you're going to replace him that easy, uh-uh, ain't going to happen. Because if you think about it, Yes, Warrior is a man. Yes, Hogan put him over clean. Yes, gives him the hug after the match, raises his arm, raises his arms, give him, gives him the WWF world title, and anoints him as the new king of the WWF and really the man in wrestling. But all eyes are on Hulk as he's leaving. Hulkamania is not dead. If you watch the fans' eyes, they were watching Hulk exit on the cart and exit the, the WWF not as the champion for the first time in a long time. So while, while oh, the Ultimate Warrior was popular, he did not duplicate the drawing power of the Hulkster. He had a 293-day title run. He had a few with Million Dollar Man Teddy Biasi, a small little feud with Haku. His old rival, Rick Rude, was a big feud, like I just mentioned, SummerSlam 90. But it wasn't quite what it was with the Hulkster. And I think that even when people are like, oh, well, Bret Hart wasn't a draw. Well, when you're coming after the Hulkster's run, nobody's going to be a good draw. And I hate to break to Vince. You should have saw that coming. He didn't see that coming, but he probably should have. So we go to Survivor Series. And again, even the year before at 89, you could slowly see they're really putting Warrior up the card. He was the main event. He ended the show. He beat the Heenan family and he's the you know the, the guy going off the air as champion uh, excuse me as the main eventer as as quote unquote like the man for for Survivor Series 89 fast forward now while he is the champion Survivor Series 90 Hogan wins his match Warrior wins his Tito Santana wins his Hercules Roma Martel DiBiase and Warlord win their matches and we go on to the ultimate match of survival, the survival of all survivors, the five-on-three handicap match at Survivor Series 1990 from the Hartford Civic Center in Hartford, Connecticut. Hogan, the Warrior, and Tito Santana, like I just mentioned, defeat Hercules Roma, Martel, DBS, Warlord, with Hogan and Warrior being the final two. So again, it's like, okay, Warrior's the guy, but Hogan is still there. Hogan really, in essence, is still the number one babyface. You could just tell by the crowd reaction, just tell by... Everything, every metrics, he's still the number one merchandise guy. He's still the he's still the man. He's still, I don't know, he's still the king. You, you, you can't go anywhere around it. You can't deny it. You can't try to say anything differently. He just is, and you gotta, I don't know, you gotta embrace it. You gotta embrace it and you gotta love it. So Survivor Series is about four hundred thousand buys. Pretty good, pretty decent though. You know, not too bad there. Then we move on to the Royal Rumble. That is when the 293-day streak, the 293-day reign of the Ultimate Warrior ends at the hands of the traitor, Sergeant Slaughter, of course, with a bit of help from the macho man, Randy Savage. And we go on to have a Savage Warrior feud from there. But Slaughter then, in turn, feuds with Hulk Hogan. Slaughter has a short, really for that time period, 64-day, almost transitional champion like Reign. And he loses to Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 7. And Hulk Hogan becomes the champ for the third time. So the Immortal Hulkster really kind of would be the man until, the, like I mentioned before, until 1993 when he's going to be exited out the door. 92, he's kind of in and out a little bit as well. But I feel like they tried to have a little bit of experiment with the Ultimate Warrior. They tried to see if he was the man or not. They were trying to see if he could kind of upseed the Hulkster. And to be honest, he really didn't and really couldn't. I feel like that is kind of more the moral to the story here, and I feel like that is kind of the, the, the perfect way to kind of head towards the finish here. It's really kind of to say, yes, the Warrior's popular. Yes, the Warrior was great, but he was that number two. Hulkamania was still running wild. He was still the top guy. And maybe WrestleMania 6, you could look at it as a mistake. I don't know. Such a great finish. Such a great thing for Hogan to put over Warrior. And I don't know. It seemed like maybe Hulkamania dwindled a little little bit after that. 
but dwindled compared to his first run with Hulkamania. I mean, if, if you want to call it like that, it's almost like, yes, his star power is still immensely over everything else, but it couldn't maybe match what he was from 84 to 1990 before WrestleMania six. So really nobody was going to even match the Hogan from 90 to 93. Either. He was still the number one guy. He was still the top dog in the company. The only other thing I really wanted to mention was the two-on-three handicap match with special guest referee Sid Justice at a match made in heaven, a match made in hell, Madison Square Garden, 1991 SummerSlam, New York City. Hogan and the Warrior defeat the Triangle of Terror, Mustafa, General Adnan, and Sergeant Slaughter. Obviously, Colonel Mustafa is the Iron Sheik under that crazy gimmick, but... As the story goes, the warrior would be fired briefly after after demanding money from Vince. As soon as he got backstage, he's fired. He obviously makes his return WrestleMania 8 with the Hulkster kind of heading towards the acting world and going into the movie world as he would see his diminishing role in the WWF as he would kind of try to become more of a part-timer. So Warrior makes the save when Sid gets DQ'd, Papa Shango comes out, Warrior gets a massive pop, makes the save. We see a great, another great Hogan Warrior moment, almost a little bit of passing of the torch yet again there. And that's almost just to say, okay, let's give Warrior another shot at being the man why Hulkster's gone, but it didn't quite work out that way. As we know, Hogan, of course, will come back in 93, and Warrior, of course, will get fired before Survivor Series 1992. So really, that's kind of it. And that's the moral of the story. The Hogan era, the ultimate warrior, while yes, he was huge and yes, he was popular, he just was nowhere near, in my point of view, the level of star that the Hulkster was. Hulkster was still a number one and Warrior was still a little bit of a distant number two, besides saying that he had a massive, massive popularity himself. It was just that nothing could match the popularity of the immortal Hulk Hogan. So let's head to the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at two man power trip. Check out the website, tmptempire.com. Of course, Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you right back here next week for the Hogan era podcast. See you next week, folks. Another close line by the warrior. He seems to be getting stronger, Jesse. I don't know where he's getting it from. Hulkster hardly able to make it to his feet. Now he's up there. He's going for a slam. Oh, I don't believe it. He got him up. He's going for the gorilla press. He got He did it. I don't believe it. It's over. It's over if he can turn him over. Hulkster is almost motionless. Two. No.
trying to get some circulation back in that body. And the Warrior is static, obviously. Hulk with his belt now. He's going back in the ring, Jess. Look at the tears in his eyes. Hulkster climbing those steps. Look at the hush silence going over the crowd. They don't know what the Hulkster's going to do, and neither do I. Oh, look at this. Hulk presented the belt and raised the hand of the Warrior. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother. Hulkamaniac, when I said that WrestleMania 6 was more intense than all five WrestleManias put together, I meant it, brothers. Every workout that I train is more intense. The pressure on my back is more intense than ever before. And every minute that I try to sleep, my heart pounds like a drum. I feel Hulkamania's in danger right now, Hulkamaniacs. This is the ultimate test of all times. And when I get in danger, I go back to my roots. I go back to the instincts. That's why I went back to Gold's Gym, Venice Beach, California, the power pit. That's why I went to the magic mirror, and I said, mirror, mirror on the wall. It's the ultimate warrior, the one that's going to make the Hulkster rise and fall. Usually I get a clear-cut answer, Hulkamaniacs. But this time, the magic mirror looked at me and said, Hulkster, you understand the natural balance of nature. You understand the food chain. You'll know if it happens. You'll know when it comes. All of a sudden, Hulkamaniacs, I started getting worried. The mirror faded out. There were no more answers. That's when I realized that WrestleMania 6 was the most important day for the rest of our lives because it will predict the future. Ultimate Warrior, if you're that little teeny Hulkamaniac that has trained and said his prayers and eaten his vitamins and finally rose to the number one contender position, I don't recognize you, brother. Maybe that's why you wore the war paint. Maybe that's why you cover your face so I won't know who you are. But as we get into WrestleMania 6 and you feel the power of the largest arms in the world, as I wipe that war paint off your face, Ultimate Warrior, if I realize that you are the new chosen one, I have an obligation to my Hulkamaniacs to fight with everything in my heart. My heart is strong like a lion. My arms are like the redwood trees in the forest. I have no flaws. My thoughts, my mind, my soul is pure. But Ultimate Warrior, it has been written, it has been said, and it shall be done in WrestleMania 6. And if I find out that you're the one that has to walk for an eternity in my shoes, brother, let it be. But you got to prove to me by beating me and all of my Hulkamaniacs that you are the ultimate Hulkamaniac. And if you're not... What's that gonna do when the largest arms in the world run wild on you? I
eyes, you realize all that is left is total self-destruction. To you, Hulk Hogan, show self-pity. To you, Hulk Hogan, try the reason why. To you, Hulk Hogan, try and comfort the normals that have even more fear than you. Or do you, Hulk Hogan, kick the doors out? Kick the cockpit door down. Take the two pilots that have already made the sacrifice so that you can face this challenge. Dispose of them, Hulk Hogan. Assume the controls, Hulk Hogan. Shove that control into a nosedive, Hulk Hogan. Push yourself to total self-destruction. As you realize, Hulk Hogan, you are about to enter a world close to parts unknown. Oh, smell it, warriors. Do you, Hulk Hogan, look for a place to hide? Or do you, Hulk Hogan, face that challenge that may be more powerful than even you are, Hulk Hogan? You, Hulk Hogan, must self-destruct so that you will know, Hulk Hogan, Okay.